Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. We can switch our attention to the Guinness Six Nations round three. We'll start with Rome, Italy, Ireland. Uh, I suppose, Liam, from your perspective, Ireland 15 hasn't been announced yet. Do you expect any changes to decide to face Italy uh, on Saturday? I actually don't, Mark. I think it'll, it, it's a pretty settled side and they're going to show due respect to Italy, you know, who are, who are now are, are, are a good competitive team. What we were hoping, for, in a funny way, before Six Nations began, people were earmarking this game as a game where we would start our other 10 options, you know. And it just so happens that it looks like Johnny Sexton is going to be ruled out for this game. Um, so, yeah, Ross Byrne would be one of the few kind of um, major changes at 10, I reckon. Can't see much else happening. I can see on the bench, I'd, what I'd like to see is the likes of Ryan Baird, for sure. Co- Gavin Coombs. Uh, I'd like to see Jimmy O'Brien. I'll get, I'll get good cameos, good maybe good, you know, 30 minutes, possibly. And, yeah, look, I mean, in for Henderson, in, in straight away for Ty Byrne. And, yeah, I think the rest of the team will pretty much pick itself. Yeah, I think it's going to be the fine balancing act here to continue with a, a team on form. You don't want to be tinkering things too badly here, uh, heading into a Scotland game in Murrayfield. I think, as you say, the Italian attacking mentality has been seen to full effect, particularly last year. Capuso has 241 metres to his name in the Six Nations Championship. So, I mean, Italy would like this to be a bit open, a bit loose, to allow their backfield to really kind of express themselves. And uh, look, Italy's lineout has to be respected as well, but Federico Russo as well leading the lineout uh, success rate on 15 so far. But I suppose from an Ireland perspective, like I, I agree with you, I think changes will be at a premium here. And the hope here is that we can close this game off pretty quickly early in the third quarter to clear the bench here, um, particularly. But I don't see Andy Farrell taking the eye off the ball here from this Italian team, who on their day will pose you problems. But I suppose, Liam, looking at the breakdown work of Italy against England in Twickenham, it has to be vastly more improved than what it was uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, it does, because otherwise, look, the, the other thing that could option is is that it could be a hard day for Italy if if Ireland can build up the head of steam in the first half, get three tries, four tries, game over. And that, that conceivably could happen as well. So um, Italy at home, pumped up. This is probably one of the games that they're, you know, that they're realistically aiming to, to try and win, you know, probably along with the Wales game. Let's be honest about it, you know, in terms of fixtures. We'll have a tough opening 20 minutes. I, I believe that, and uh, we have to, to start well. Exactly. I think it's very similar to our Principality Stadium trip to Wales. You know, you cut the oxygen supply off the home crowd immediately, get on the front foot, get a few early scores in front, really dampen down the enthusiasm. I think in the scrummaging department as well, Ireland really should be testing out this Italian front five as well. I think the England pack really did show in terms of their attacking mall. Italy really had no answers uh, there as well. So I think there's an awful lot of upside here for Ireland really to kind of build the point tally up here and then let the open play develop uh, in due course. I suppose, uh, Liam, in terms of Ireland here, 
Tigburn obviously sidelined here. Sexton, we're assuming, will not be risked for this game. Any predictions here? What's the prediction for you uh, for this game? I think Italy, as now seems the case, they're capable of scoring tries. So I think to get Italy would get three tries, but I think we would probably would get six. So I, I, in the end, I think it'll probably turn out to be something like um, 45-21-22. Yeah, that's my prediction. So about 20-something odd points win. Yeah, it's going to be gorgeous weather in Rome as well. 19 degrees, partly sunny, uh, 19 kilometre wind as well, so it'd be negligible. So I think from that perspective here, I think Garland, I think want to keep on the front foot after that French performance here. I don't think Sanders are going to drop here, unfortunately, for Italy. I think Lamaro could be a huge loss for Italy as well in the back row. And now we're looking at depth chart. We're looking at depth chart clearly from an Italian perspective, particularly in the front row and particularly in the pack. And I think that's where Ireland probably have a massive upper hand here, Liam. I'm probably going 25 points here for Ireland uh, going away. Uh, I generally do. And probably a bonus point in the bag early uh, here as well. Probably hopefully before half time, but probably early third quarter. Because, um, yeah, I just think Italy, there is an awful lot of, to be sorted out given that England performance. They showed glimpses against France, but they went back a few steps for me, particularly in that English performance. So I think it's 25-point win for Ireland here, and it sets it up very well uh, for that Murrayfield Test match. I suppose we can then go to the Principality Stadium, if we do have a match at all here, Liam, between Wales and England. Uh, still an awful lot of strife between the players, player union, the Professional Rugby Board of Wales, there's a bit of a, a bit of a backdrop to this game against an England side who got their first win under their belt against Italy. Far from perfect, but will be coming to the Cardiff full of confidence, I suppose. If the, a game does take place, do you give any chance for Wales to get a result here? Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, they're playing England at home. <laughs> Always have a chance. And they've, they've given some right shellikins to England the last few years, like right thumpings, you know. So, um, but and, and and potentially, you know, the whole backdrop to this, if the game goes ahead, the Wales players' backs to the wall sort of effort uh, can can turn out another way. So yeah, I give them I give them a, a good chance. Um, I think England, you know, they had that mall game against Italy, but. Not much else. They still haven't have I suppose need the time to redevelop their their game more to tune it up to tune it more. Yeah, they're 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 England are work in progress. I know you could say that that um, Wales are in a far worse predicament, but you know as as a, I always look at this as a one-off fixture because I think Wales will, will be up for this game for sure. Like given the backdrop here in terms of players, the unity in the camp here. Gatland has been quick to point out that the players have been very professional in terms of training sessions. I still feel that there's a massive performance in this Welsh squad. I genuinely do. Just given what's happened against Scotland, against Ireland, that there needs to be a reaction here. And particularly with this wrangle with the Professional Rugby Board of Wales here, particularly on the 60 cap rule, representation on the player body, to the professional rugby board and also this performance bonus 
fixed variable negotiation here. I feel there's a bit of a backlash here, I would think, from a Welsh perspective, but I still point here to the Welsh front five versus England front five. And on form right now, I think the England unit is far superior here. Yeah, you look, I mean, look, I agree with you. I mean, I would argue that the Welsh front five is, is the weakest now in the in the Six Nations, you know, um, very much so. But um, yeah, look, I, I back to the wall effort. I, I somehow, it's kind of more heart ruling overhead that uh, Wales will, will get the victory. But yeah, look, I mean, and I, I think it will go ahead and I think it'll be kind of almost last minute thing. But but the the consequences of not going ahead would be absolutely catastrophic in terms of TV money, in terms of the games already played, you know? What do you do with the games already played? Uh, and in terms of the championship, do you award the tie to England? I mean, it's just, it's incomprehensible as to what would happen in that scenario. But I, I think that the main issues will all be addressed, going to the head for the Welsh Rugby Union. But um, it, it shouldn't have come to this. I mean, so late in the season, you know. To be fair to the players too, you do wonder, has it affected their performances both recently at club level and at international level? And these guys, at, at very least, should have the option of playing abroad if the contracts aren't going to be up to scratch. And I think that 60-player cap rule would be, would be scrapped as well. I'd say it's probably been scrapped as we record this podcast, Liam. I just don't see that a future on there. Freedom of players to move here, particularly given the contract wrangle the situation in the Welsh regions, particularly. I'd even think, the, you know, a complete and utter root and branch review from the grassroots to the regions to the international side. It's broken. It's completely broken in Wales. So I think now it's a case of resetting. I think that 60 cap rule will go. Um, otherwise, I think Gatland may go as well, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's just a very, yeah, it's been a bad year for Welsh rugby. Let's put it like that way, in terms of maybe some early season optimism, particularly with the Ospreys in Europe, has been completely and utterly um, distinguished given this strike threat. And as you say yourself, if this game were to be postponed, the integrity of the competition gets completely and utterly into disrepute. Like, I de- well, I suppose you would really kind of say England would get the five points here, wouldn't they? It would be a walkover. It would be a forfeit. It would be a walkover, yeah. That's exactly what it would be, yeah. So I think from that perspective here, for other teams that would be kind of playing Wales afterwards, I think there could be a few kind of um, ears pricked a little bit. So I, I feel anyway, this game will go ahead, but maybe there's a protest in the offing here. I'm not sure. Hopefully the players from Wales do kind of put their best foot forward. But I think given the circumstances here, Liam, it has to be weighing the Welsh players' minds, the families here in terms of their security, their long-term future, their occupation. So I think it has definitely impacted some of their performance, particularly against Scotland and Ireland. But again, this is a home tie here where they really need to embrace it and really feed off the energy of the Welsh home support who will be rooting for them and really backing them to the hilt here. Yeah, look, look, I really do feel it's, it's almost like a, a, a Baxter one-off fixture here. 
really, you know, Wales Wales have done it in the past. Um, they've a good record in Cardiff against England, and I believe that that record will will continue. Mm. Yeah. So you're tipping Wales, obviously, uh, with the emotion just, of the occasion. Just, just about, just about. I know we could say, yes, England have the stronger front five and have uh, a bit more form, obviously, but I just can't write off Wales at this time. For me, it's all going to be down on selection. I think, you know, the likes of Justin Tipperick, Toby Falatel, I think definitely have to be included. I would even see Alan Wynne jones coming back in as a spiritual leader of this group, you know, particularly the context of where we lead get into this game, the threat of strike action, they need leaders on the pitch. And I think for Gatland, he's going to go for he's tried and trusted here one more time. And uh, yeah, but I, I, I really do think here England will be functional. They will look to get the job done. I think maybe England really narrowly winning this, I think by three to five. But again, this occasion could have a life of its own. I think with the crowd, the players... We've seen it on occasion when players are against the wall, a reaction happens. And I would not be surprised either if Wales did pull out the result. But I suppose I'm just calling on form and what I've seen so far here, Liam. And I think England just about. But again, this is an England-Welsh derby game. You know full well, being over in Wales, over and back, that it's a local derby from out the window. This could salvage a season here for Wales and Welsh supporters if they could get the win. And I suppose, Liam concluding France, Paris, France v Scotland. My God, that's a Sunday matinee to really look forward to. Yeah, and a tr- tremendous game to look forward to. And look, the implications is, I mean, if you think about it, if France were to lose this, they'd have lost two games in the Six Nations. They're, they're mid-table, you know. Where for Scotland, win this, and they, I would argue, have the best fixture list left to win the Grand Slam, Triple Crown, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, the Six Nations title. I mean, they really do because they have Ireland at home and then they have Italy away. And it's just like, that's pretty much the, the perfect ending in the Six Nations for them. And yeah, I think I think they have a chance. I, th- I think the Scots have a chance. The, la- the last few games they play against France, you know, it, it's been all very open. I always find those games to be quite open. Some of those opening in, in the Six Nations. Be interesting to see if Finn Russell can can work his magic again, if he's given the space to do so, or if he's obviously targeted by by the French. You probably would probably just have to say France by five points. I just think that they're they're not going to to lose a major game like this before the World Cup at home. I think it's a huge game. You can say a huge game for Scotland, but I think even more so for France. I think you've set the context perfectly here. A loss at home here, Liam, heading into a host nation World Cup could really raise a few doubts and a few confidence issues from Fabien Galtier and the French squad. They can probably come, you know, consolidate themselves or, you know, really kind of state that last game out in the Viva was an outstanding test match between Ireland and, and France in the Viva. And the standard was impeccable. This is a game where France really need to get back on the front foot and really start to uh, assert a bit of dominance, particularly in the pack. Felt the pack-wise was a little bit 
subdued during that Ireland performance and maybe that's going to be maybe a key part of that game here for uh, France really is to really look at the pack really test out the the front five of Scotland because look Scotland had a record win over Wales but people tend to forget the first 40 minutes of that game in Wales Scotland were extremely nervous and if they kind of deal with that same approach mindset against France I can see France rolling all over him here Liam yeah look look obviously look like any team going to to Paris in the spring you really need to start well because if France get up ahead of steam they're gone they're out of sight so yeah I I, I take your point that that's absolutely crucial I think that you know if what you're going to see again from from I suppose the French is Good tactical kicking again, you know, from fullback and from Dupont as well. Um, trying to try and get good field position. Again, it'll be interesting to see who they pick in terms of out half. This that that's quite a big call as well. The French physicality will be brought to bear. It's going to be a different game basically than the 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 game against Ireland in Dublin. That sort of free flowing game, and it'll be a game that will suit the French power. Yeah, I think French will look to make this a little bit more structured, given who you have a 10 for Scotland with Finn Russell, who's playing absolutely immaculate rugby at the moment from a playmaking perspective at 10. So, again, it's evenly poised. As you say, Scotland will have no fear coming to Paris, given the 2021 results where they beat France 27-23. You can argue this is a different French team to that in 2021, but still, you have so many fascinating matchups here, the likes of Ferguson against Aldrit, you have DuPont versus Russell, Penno versus Van der Merve. So there's across the pitch here, I think it'll be an intriguing just to see I think Pack will be fundamental here. And I'm really intrigued to see how Scotland stack up against a very physically abrasive French pack, uh really. And the French pack don't typically deliver two bad performances in a row here. No, you're right there. and But again, it, it, it's kind of funny that Scotland will want the open, free-flowing game and France very much won't. And France won't <laughs> won't allow them to, to, to get into, into that game. So basically, France are just going to... Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be brutal. Um, stick it up your jumper rugby in that first half, I feel, before maybe then France kind of open up a bit in the second half. Yeah, I think there will be certain time when the likes of Entomac will let, you know, his back line really express themselves. Penno, as we know, is an absolute try-scoring predator. Doesn't need much for that. So I'll just be intrigued to see how Scotland really do set up here. I mean, their pack, yeah, as you've kind of indicated here, <laughs> as you've kind of hinted here, it's like pack is everything here for Scotland getting the set piece correct defensive mall wise can they really kind of be that kind of uh, platform here as well for Scotland so I think it's intriguingly poised I mean geez if Scotland were to pull a result out here in Paris it's a huge game on Sunday week isn't it Uh, given Ireland in Murrayfield and you have triple crown and you know it's really kind of uh, you know more pressure being applied and I suppose from Scotland's perspective two from two the pressure gets applied now. The players and fans of other teams are really looking at Scotland now as a bit of a threat. So now there's more of a 
you know, target on their back here to see if they can continue these performances. So it's an intriguing game on Sunday. I think there's an awful lot to lose for both sides here. Yeah, and I mean, look, look already it's been the, the 1990s since the Scots put two games, two Six Nations wins back-to-back together. You know, you get the feeling if Scotland could pull this off, I mean, like maybe their name is on the trophy this season. You know what I mean? There's a bit of destiny about it. But um, yeah, it's it's look in terms of the the weekend games, it's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Exactly. So call it for me, uh, Liam. Who do you fancy here, um, France or Scotland? Um, I think that it's going to be actually tight enough for the first maybe 55 minutes. Um, France then to pull away a bit, um, but at, I mean 15 point win in the end for for the French. I think it might be a little bit smaller the, the winning margin here but I think Scotland definitely will show a few good flashes particularly in the opening period I'm just looking at squad depth here from Scotland you know that 23-man squad is going to be ultimately tested now you can counter by saying yes they have you know done very well in terms of the bench particularly against England and Wales but no respect England and Wales I think France are a bit above those two teams here so I just feel squad depth wise France may have the upper hand here a little bit. I think maybe 10 points here, you know, but I think Scotland will give as good as they got. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll go France here. Because, I mean, the ramifications of a French loss here is huge. For Fabien Galtier, uh, French management, the board, and the French public heading into hosting a 2023 Rugby World Cup, that, you know, a team that was on the up is now having a few doubts, having a few concerns, Heading into a pool with New Zealand, it's you know it's not where you want to be if you're France if this result doesn't go uh, their way on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, geez, when you think about it, I mean that would be two two back to back losses, and as you said, the 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 Par- Paris um, Citadel would not quite be the same heading heading into the World Cup, and serious questions would be asked of the French, I suppose, mentality and and their potential to win the World Cup. I think it's intriguingly poised. I'd be interested just to see how France have evolved and how they respond and bounce back. You know, they had their 14-game unbeaten run snapped by Ireland. So I think from that perspective, it'll be interesting just to see the bounce-back ability of uh, France here and also Scotland. I think Scotland come into it now with less pressure on them. And I sincerely hope that Scotland really do deliver a, a magnificent performance here and really test France early. But, I mean, as I said, I think that French pack could hold an awful lot of answers here come the final whistle. I suppose, Liam, we'll leave it there. It was a lengthy one. Uh, next week, I suppose, we'll review the round three Six Nations uh, games here and look ahead to round four and also look at the action from South Africa and URC, see if Ulster were to salvage anything in the Sharks and Glasgow looking to kind of continue their winning run against the Lions. I suppose until then, Liam, have a great weekend and sure we'll chat next week. Yeah, after Six Nations. Good luck. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.